Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on the first day of a brand new month and the first day of a brand new season. Today is Tuesday, the 1st of June, 2021, and also here in Australia, the very first day of winter. So uh, all the leaves are just about falling off, all the trees, it's getting really, really cold. It's uh, very, very brisk, particularly out when I'm walking. I was uh, second day in a row this morning out with the gloves on. It was very cold. Not as cold as yesterday, but still very, very cool. So wherever you are in the world, I trust you've had a very, very fast start and a highly productive start to your working week and looking forward to taking advantage of all the opportunities that are in front of you. Now, in today's episode, I wanted to talk about teamwork and in the, insofar as making uh, good team-based decisions. I've just come off the back of a four-week uh, program that I've run for an organization around uh, influence, decision-making, leadership, and also problem-solving. And this organization, for all intents and purposes, is very, very successful. It's uh, around Australia. I've also got some, uh, got some regional areas as well in terms of Asia-Pacific, but very, very successful in the technology space. But one of the challenges they, they found was when it comes to decision-making and solving problems. And if there was one thing they wanted their leadership team to get better at, and even if it was just to improve by a few percentage points, it was this in terms of how do we get better at being more decisive with our decisions? How do we get better at building some frameworks so that our problem-solving techniques can become more consistent so we can get better results quicker and drive some consistency and hence some momentum around not only the way we do things around problem-solving and decision-making, but how can we then translate that in terms of the practices that will lead to better results over a long period of time. So had the privilege of spending four weeks with them. Uh, yesterday was the final session, and we covered off a number of things, and we've talked a lot about different structures, different personal styles, different ways to problem-solve, different ways to define a problem. There's a whole host of things that go into that. But yesterday was a bit of a highlight in that we talked about some areas around good team-based decision-making because one of the things that great leaders tend to do better than their compatriots, if you like, or better than their competitors, is they understand the importance of collaboration and involvement. Now, this doesn't mean that they're making decisions based on what the team thinks. They lead their team through discussion. They lead their team through strategy development. But what they do is they make sure their team is involved and feel as if they're having a contribution to the particular problem and the solving process that, that comes with it. And this is the big difference between great leaders and not so great leaders because too many leaders want their team to contribute and but the decision's already been made. The leader, for example, will make the decision and then what the leader does, it actually they actually start to uh, communicate and frame certain processes, certain strategies, certain tactics, certain ideas in a way that doesn't allow for collaboration. It doesn't allow for, I guess, discussion. It doesn't allow for feedback and challenging of ideas because the decision has already been made. And is it any wonder that there are a lot of team members in teams that right now, particularly when you're in, in sales in particular, where people are reluctant to participate and to have a voice because they know, hey, the team the team leader, my, my leader, my manager, he's already made the decision. So 
what am I going to contribute that's even going to, in, in an, in a, even in a remote sense, change the decision that the leader's already made? So you have members of a team that end up being non-contributors. They become silent. Now, whether they agree with the leader's decision or not is actually irrelevant. The fact that they don't get the opportunity to make a contribution and share their perspectives is where the challenge becomes really, really difficult. Because what tends to happen there is when you've got team members who, through no fault of their own, and literally through the fault of the leader, not allowing them to make a contribution, they tend to reduce their level of engagement. They tend to question as to why they're part of the team. Then they question why they're part of the organization. And what tends to happen there is discretionary effort goes down and you know what ends up with that. Performance goes down and they probably end up leaving the organization. So this can be really challenging for leaders in particular. Now, what we don't want is we don't want to be able to create an environment where there is groupthink. And this is this is equally unhealthy. And we talked a lot about this in the program over the last four weeks as well. That often you get situations in a team where there'll be certain personality types that will dominate the conversation and there'll be others that are not as dominant who will simply go along with the flow and agree with the, I guess, the majority consensus that ends up being a process called group think. Now, it may actually end up being the wrong decision, but there are people within that organization, within that team that don't feel comfortable for whatever reason sharing their voice to the point where the decision is not necessarily the best decision for the team and certainly not the best decision for the organization. So as leaders, we need to find ways to uh, involve people to encourage their participation, to encourage their contribution, and to literally give them a voice and to make sure they understand that their voice counts because it does. Now, when you've got team members who understand and believe that their contribution matters, then all of a sudden, everything within the team dynamic changes. Now, when it comes to decision-making, when it comes to group decision-making and making good decisions, the incumbency on us as leaders is to make sure that we do create that environment. And the technique I want to step you through today and just share on on this particular episode is equally applicable and can be applied, therefore, to routine decisions, so everyday sort of decisions where you need to get some buy-in from the group and get a contribution happening, as well as some strategic decisions which might take a bit of time to contemplate, that might take a bit of rigor, might take a few iterations before we actually reach the decision. But it is a technique that is very, very apt at creating this bind, this involvement, this collaboration. And it's a technique known as the step ladder technique. Now, I, um, I've used this a few times and I've seen it work in teams of uh, reasonably smallish sizes. Now, one thing I'll put a caveat on this, this technique probably doesn't work for teams of greater than, say, 10 people because there's a very specific process that we need to go through in order to get the best out of this technique. And one of the challenges with this technique just up front is that it does involve some isolation in insofar as team members have to wait their turn in order to be involved in the process. And so from a patient's point of view, just think about it. If you had a big team of 20 or 30 people and you're going through this process, then it may well be that it's hours before somebody gets the opportunity to make a contribution and actually have their, their say uh, or their, their opinion or their ideas uh, heard. And so that, that, from an engagement point of view, can be quite challenging. So ideally, if you've got a team of less than uh, 10 members, this technique works really, really well. Ideally, probably the sweet spot is around five to six team members. So if you've got a team of around five or six, this is a perfect technique to get some really strong group-based decisions done uh, that does encourage people to make that contribution on the individual level. 
Now here's how it works. It's a really, really useful technique because what it does do is it does encourage that individual contribution and individual participation within a group before that individual can be influenced by the group. So it does actually remove the possibility of having groupthink come into the psyche of the team, as well as removing the fact that in a lot of teams you'll have a certain, well, maybe one or two individuals that are withdrawn or don't necessarily contribute as much as you would hope them to contribute or as much as others would contribute. So it does encourage a wide variety of ideas that comes from the team members and it does stop anyone from withdrawing or hiding from or from the larger group or within the larger group because all members of the team are considered to be equal. Now there are five steps to this technique and I just want to step through these and hopefully this is a value because I've seen uh, teams use this to great effect and to get some really, really great outcomes to some key problems they were dealing with and particularly around some strategic and some complex problems because it does create uh, opportunity for people to give their own their own view and to discuss it, to challenge it, to get others to challenge theirs, to challenge other people's perspectives so that at the end of it, the group can come up with an opportunity and a decision that is going to be the best interest in the best interest of the wider group. So the first step in this is that the members of the team will be presented with a problem and it's really important we do this up front because we need to actually say this is the problem we've got to try and find a solution to and give them adequate time to think about it, maybe do some research and give them some time to form their own opinion or to form their own perspectives on what they think could be a reasonable, a fair reasonable uh, solution to that particular problem. Now, I'm not going to be prescriptive on how much time because this will be different for different sort of teams. Some teams do this within an hour. Other teams want to break it up and do it over, say, two or three days, and some people do it over weeks. Now, it depends on the size of the problem and how important it is to get a solution to that particular problem. So first step is to make sure that you are prov providing the team with, I guess, the problem or the opportunity to solve and let them do some research, let them determine what some proposed or possible solutions may look like, uh, and then we can go to the next step. So that's the first step. Probably the most important step is to give people time to individually contemplate their own approach to this particular problem. Step number two is, and this is why it starts to uh, make sense, we've got a smaller team in place. The team leader or the leader will then choose two members of the group, and they are going to be assigned to discuss that problem. Now, ideally, you do this in a separate room, so you'd bring people into a different room, uh, probably next to the room that you've all, you've all been doing some research in individually, uh, and give them the opportunity to have a conversation and discuss the problem. So they literally meet and they discuss their ideas, and it's not an argument, and it's not about influencing each other about whose idea is the better one. They put their ideas on the table. So this is truly a collaboration approach, because when you get two members of the group who are assigned to discuss the problem, all of a sudden you'll either get completely different perspectives or you might start getting some perspectives that are similar that you've got something that is uh, consistent you can work on and then, and then further develop those ideas. And so they meet and discuss their ideas. Step number three is we'll then introduce a third member to the group. And the key part about this is the third member must be given the opportunity to present their ideas and their perspectives before they hear the ideas that the first two people have discussed. Now, the reason we do this is because we don't want that third person to be overly influenced by the thinking process or the collaboration or the agreement, perhaps, that the first two members have actually come up with based on their initial conversation. And so really important that the third member is given a voice before the other two provide their perspectives. Now, once all three have presented their ideas, 
then what they do is they get together and they start collaborating and discuss the options together. And it may well be that you'll end up with three different options to, to contemplate as part of a solution to that particular problem. So step number three is the third member is introduced. Step number four is that this process is now repeated and we add one member to the group at a time. Now, the key thing here is we've got to remember that we allow discussion time as each person joins the group. So before we actually talk as a group, the person coming into the group must be able to give their perspectives, their views, their ideas before the group reports back to them and shares their perspectives. And so we need to be really careful here because the first members of the group, they can drift off. They can, if, they're, if you're the first two members, depending on how big the team is, you can very quickly uh, drift off. So you've got to make sure your concentration span is, is focused, which means as the lead, you've got to keep people on task. Uh, so hence why we want to keep the group as small as we possibly can. So anything above 10, no good. Uh, keep it below 10. And so step number five is that once everybody has been able to make that contribution, so you go through, and why it's called the step ladder is you're adding one step at a time. And so the next person comes in, does the presentation, does their views, provides their perspectives, and then the group starts to have a conversation. Now, once all those presentations and all the discussions are finished, then the group will make their decision because here's the funny thing that will happen. Through the constant conversations that are happening as a new member is actually introduced, sometimes that new member may introduce a completely different perspective that the group had not thought about until that particular moment. But in other times, the person coming in may actually express the same perspectives and the same ideas as to how to solve this particular problem that group has already been discussing. And so at the end, you'll have a level of consistency that once all the presentations are done, it may well be that the solution to the problem is really, really obvious, in which case everybody's on the same page. You've got group uh, group consensus and it's not group think because people have been given the opportunity and you now get a decision, which means we can now look for how do we now implement this decision to get the momentum moving. And so the stepladder technique is a phenomenal technique to use to involve all of your team, particularly when you've got some strategic decisions you need to make as a group. Uh, and you've got some strategic problems to solve as a group. It's a great technique to make sure that every single person is given a voice, every single person is given the opportunity to share that voice and they're encouraged to share that voice. And you also create the environment where we have some robust conversations, we have some discussions around what's working, what's not working. And in the process, you want people to contest and challenge ideas so that we can take our decision-making to an entirely new level. Now, when that happens, you've got a great team environment that are going to be making some pretty good decisions, but you as a leader are now leading the team where everybody's having a voice, everybody feels involved, there's a collaborative uh, process that's happening, engagement starts to go up, and momentum starts to be developed, which is exactly what we want at uh, at the leadership level as well for our team. So uh, that, that really, really resonated with the team yesterday, and I've seen it work a number of times in teams where they've got some really, really difficult decisions to make and some challenges to overcome. And by getting their whole team involved, it meant that uh, every single member of the team had an equal say and they were able to come up with a, a decision at a team level that was going to be of benefit to not only them as, as an individual within the team, but also to the team, also to the company, also to their customer. So if you right now are a leader who is looking to increase your engagement with your team, look for ways you can improve decision making within your team, then why don't you stress test the step ladder technique? Give that a crack. And it will encourage people to step up and have a voice and it's exactly what you want because you want collaboration happening and you want engagement happening because we know that when with engagement and collaboration 
heading northwards. It means also that things like discretionary effort will go northwards as well. People will feel much better about being part of the team and the results will no doubt uh, follow. So hope that message resonates. And as always, if you are committed to taking your sales leadership to the exceptional level and love some help with that, then let's work together one-on-one. Love to have a conversation with you. Simply go to my calendar at leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time that suits. We'll sit down and have a conversation over the Zoom and uh, start working together as soon as this week. So very, very much looking forward to working with a handful of new clients over the next three months and helping you take your leadership to the exceptional level. So if that's you, let's jump on a call and let's get started as soon as this week. So with that said, trust you have a phenomenal first day of the brand new month being 1st of June. Also in here in Australia, the first day of winter. Enjoy it wherever you happen to be. And I look forward to talking with you and sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.